Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and friends like my friend Neely Piazza. Don't let friends feed kibble. Good day to you, Miss <laughs> Miss Piazza. Well, and good, good snowy morning to you. <laughs> Ooh, we got some snow, and I'm hoping that my snow tires get me down to Dr. Andy's for Asta's adjustment today because we got lots of snow here. It's supposed to get yeah, really you cold. Got more than, you probably got more than me. Well, I've got you don't enough. get much snow out there, do you? Um, well, it, seeing as how you're like right in the middle of a mountain, no, I don't get as much as you do, but I I, I get a decent amount, right? Right. So, uh, you, you go to the Greeley Stampede. You know, there's a huge rodeo that's going to go out, go on in Greeley this year, every year, right? Well, every year on the 4th of July, and I never go, but I live like two blocks. So, you know, <laughs> two blocks away. So I hear the concerts and everything. Gosh, you know what? You should rent out parking space at your place. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they even block off our street so people don't park down our down residential streets. <laughs> Man, when we go when we go to the Shine Frontier days, these people they make a fortune during those two weeks for the parking. <laughs> well, you can if you go to the Stampede, you you can park in my driveway if you want to. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I'm probably gonna do that then. Thanks so much for the invite. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about a few things today. Um, number one, before be you know, um, uh, I don't want to scare our our listeners off, but you, uh oh. Yeah, what I just, okay, not necessarily want to go down the total rabbit hole, but what do you think is going to happen if people start to, if we find out that viruses don't really exist? Oh, you mean when people actually start catching on to the fact that viruses don't exist? (laughs) You know, I mean, look, that's going to be a real hard one because, I mean, it's like what, okay, in the dog world, let's just play devil's advocate here for a second or not even devil's advocate. Let's just throw out a what if, what, what diseases, all right, Niels, would absolutely just like poof, be gone if we said viruses don't exist and then consequently those medications wouldn't exist. So which ones would those be? Distemper, parvo, rabies. Those are the big ones. Uh, uh, Kennel cough is supposedly a bacteria. Lepto is supposedly a... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A one-celled organism. Um, Parasite. Well, yeah, sort of. And Giardia is, is the same, which... You can't vaccinate against those things, and you can't vaccinate against bacteria either. I mean, even again, even if you play by those rule by their rules, you can't vaccinate against a bacterial issue. Um, 
But do, well, do you know, they, they try? They try to. Vaccinate they don't play against... by any rules. Well, that's for sure. But yeah, um, do they try to vaccinate against Giardia? Yes. How? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It makes no sense. What's the name so, of the vaccine? I don't know. Must know. Need to know. Uh, well, okay. I'm. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, it, you know, it's like it's like the. Um, they all have different names depending on what company makes it. So it's oh, yeah. not like it's a. Yeah. So. So let me ask you this, because I saw this on um, social media the other day where the whole kennel cough thing was being brought up and they were saying that boarding facilities, which something you know a lot about because you were there mm -hmm. for, what, 15 years, mm -hmm. um, that they say, all right, boarding facilities this is going to be a two-pronged thing. Boarding facilities should not allow dogs in that have just received a Bordetello vaccine because that vaccine actually sheds and causes kennel cough. And I agree with that. That was my protocol, too. I wouldn't let any dogs in that had just been vaccinated. So um, that falls into the camp of, yeah, we know... But, you know, the argument was that it's a live virus bubble, but it's not even a virus. And any anything that is a respiratory, um, quote unquote, infection, they call kennel cough, right? How that spreads and how that contagion, quote unquote, contagion works, we don't know because we hadn't nobody's looked at it because you can't get funding for any way to look at it other than airborne critters being passed from one to another so more likely is um when when i would see it it goes in a weather pattern so at the change of the weather is usually when you see it and it also can just spontaneously occur right mm -hmm. so it has a whole lot to do with stress exposure to not to not to bugs but to environmental conditions things like that which if a dog is in a boarding facility what are what what are they exposed to stress different environmental conditions um depending on the um on the facility they may or may not be outside um, you know, allowed to go outside and inside. I can tell you for sure the temperature is going to be different than what the temperature is accustomed to. And I can pretty much guarantee you that any dog that goes to a boarding facility lives inside someone's house and everybody keeps their house at a different temperature. The water's different. The feeding times are different. The potty times are different. The surround, the, um, you're surrounded by other dogs that you don't know. I mean, it's a wonder that any of them come back, go home, not sick. Should they be vaccinating against it? No, you should not. There's it. Even the even most vets will tell you the vaccine doesn't work. And the ones that say it does work, say you have to give it every three months because it's n not effective for very long, which basically is saying it doesn't work. Whatever the toxin may be that they spread around, it's definitely um 
shows up more if you have a freshly vaccinated dog in. And part of that could just be that, you know, it's an insult to that dog's immune system. And so his, his energy and frequency and all is dropped. So you're exposing the other dogs to that. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but no, it's not serious. It's, it's a, it's a cold. It's a stress reaction. It's a detox mechanism. It's not a big deal. Well, why do they keep pushing this? Uh, you've got to be, you know, vaccinated. Because people are stupid. Uh oh, that's insensitive. You know, you're gonna yeah, get. Well, you're gonna you're gonna I've get us. Been, I've been accused of that. You're so... gonna get us in a lot of trouble. Our ratings are going down, down, down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, people think and vets think that you have to you have to stop any kind of bodily reaction, any kind of um, detoxification reaction, any kind of anything like that. And that it's the end of the world if your dog is sick. How many times have I said that that people are afraid to let their dogs be dogs? But what I was going to say is what I have seen time after time after time is if dogs do go home or, or, or showing signs that, you know, they got the cough or the crud or whatever, people that go to the vet, that dog is sicker longer. So something that if somebody went home and just gave supportive care and didn't stress out about it. The dog is fine in three, four, or five days. If you go to the vet, you get antibiotics and cough medicine, and um, that's those are the standard ones. And depending on where you go, you might get this, that, or the other. You'll have a dog that coughs harder, longer, and is usually sick for at least two weeks. I see that time and time and time and time again. If you don't. If you don't go and get any kind of treatment, your dog will get better faster than if you, and then you don't have the, you also don't have the lingering problems that we've talked about with antibiotics either. So, I mean, the symptoms are the body's healing reaction and you suppress the symptoms, you suppress the healing and drive the disease state further down. And it comes out later in uh, usually in a more severe form. Again, Niels, it's it's really tough to change the mindset. Uh, it's 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 so easy to run back into the security of what we have known. Right. But, yeah. And but you got to you got to remember, it doesn't work. I mean, why keep running back and doing something that doesn't work? If it works, why doesn't work? Right. It's like, if it works, why doesn't it work? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, yeah. Cool. All right. So, another uh, thing that came up this week were um, copper, not storage issue, copper coloring that happens to white dogs. Okay. And this is coming from a molecule that is breaking down iron in the body. And that reddish color is typically from this substance in the body uh, and from the iron that's in that. Now, raw diets can often change 
that in white dogs. As a matter of fact, I have a neighbor who was having the tear staining. And then um, also when they lick their paws or lick their genitals or things like that, then that copper staining will also get on the dog. This particular dog down the street, it, it solved that. Now I have another customer and I've seen the pictures. Uh, the dog was on raw for two and a half years. And then all of a sudden now he's got this uh, copper staining color. Um, so there was no, no tear staining up until just recently. Um, the, let me, let me just tell it you. It just got worse. Well, from the pictures that I can see, there was no uh, staining and then it got, and then, and then there became stains. So yes, in a, in a, you know, and, and we've gone over everything, right. And, and I've said, what's changed, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. Well, the dog's gotten older. Would that change it? I don't know. Um. Okay. Well, <laughs> since we don't really, we don't really know what causes it, and I have never found anybody that straight up knows what causes it. Let's go with the iron breakdown thing from the article that you found, because that mm -hmm. makes that makes as much sense as anything, because um, it comes out in the saliva and the tears in the urine you said right which accounts for the tear staining and the pink feet for dogs that that lick their feet right right so let's go with the let's go with the the iron hypothesis so try and if it's a breakdown metabolite maybe they need to do a liver detox so that they're more efficiently eliminating breakdown metabolites. Um, maybe they need a digestive enzyme to help better break down the proteins. Feed once a day instead of twice a day so that you have a more efficient cleanup in between feedings. Mm-hmm. From what I can see, she does a pretty good job of, you know, rotation, like rotating. the the variety boxes and then, but she does do the Wolfram Plus, okay? Switch Wolfram Plus to Beef Blend. Because in Wolfram Plus, listeners, one thing that we have that's awesome is heart, right? Uh, but heart has a lot of iron in it. And um, yeah, the Wolfram Plus is a great blend. Um, it's just... Um, heavy you know it has a an extra heart component in it so i mean try that it, it may and it may have absolutely nothing to do with it but if we're testing that theory mm -hmm. then that would be one way to go about it without eliminating beef completely yeah i i will definitely now she was she was thinking that she needed to to do yeasty beast i said this i don't this doesn't have any that's component to it that's yeast yeah yeah so that, i that, have noticed that people are, are are deciding that any kind of discoloration or any kind of problem at all discoloration 
discoloration and itchy is automatically yeast, and that's not true. Right. So, I mean, it can be true, but it's not always true. Right. Well, we make a lot of bad assumptions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Know- Hence the whole virus argument. <laughs> bad assumption. <laughs> now, don't be insulting our listeners again. All right. So, anyway. <laughs> We're not insulting. Uh, you know, we're saying that some people in the the in the in the in the boarding facilities cause problems for dogs when they think that they're actually protecting them. All right. And this yeah. is and, this this is what's I'm not, happening. I'm not saying that dogs don't get sick when they you know, it happens for sure. I've seen it happen, but uh I will say that we were on like pretty much a two-year stretch with no quote-unquote outbreaks we'd have uh one or two off here and there spattered about but Mm -hmm. for a good two two years there was no like full-on outbreak um of course they had one as soon as i left and they changed the vaccine protocol they like had one like right away um so there you go wow um but there's definitely something to be said for, um, and I don't know what the mechanism is, but if you have a freshly vaccinated dog come into the facility, you will have a much higher chance of multiple dogs being going being sick. And I can't tell you what the mechanism is, but um, I'm convinced that contagion does not happen the way that they tell us it does. And mm-hmm. so it's, uh, I, I think it's more to do with, um, stress and frequency and, um, things like that, which, you know, that can be passed from individual to individual. It's just not through, um, not through a organism. Gotcha. So I want to, yeah, right. And um, we'll come back to that, you know, more and more as we do podcasts, so we can kind of help pose that. as we learn more. Yeah, Yeah, as we learn more. learn more and get more information and stuff, then I can, and, you know, I I mean, it's possible that I can be wrong, but I've been studying this for a long time. I don't think I am. If you're wrong, you're in good company, right? With (laughs) Cowan and Kaufman and- I mean, you get a lot of people that you're involved with if you are wrong, but we'll come back to that. All right. So I want to ask you a question. The other day um, you did a consult and you said, oh my gosh, I was just about in tears from this consult. What what was the deal with that? And he listens to us regularly too. So he'll hear this. Um, he's doing a fantastic job putting the diet together. He listens to us. Um, he took our recommendations on, um, you know, what resources to use and books to read and things like that. And, um, had put together a really good diet and he travels internationally with his dog. So there are some things that he can't avoid doing. So, you know, we talked about, um, well, we didn't have to we didn't have to talk about it like I normally do because he was already on board with the whole vaccine issue and all that and kind of 
how to handle this and how to handle that. And he was basically wanting to just be sure that what he was doing was appropriate and in the right direction and all absolutely was. And it was really fun to talk to him because um, it was super open-minded and had put a lot of effort. It was his first, this is his first dog and he's doing everything right from the get go, you know? So um, it was really, I don't know. It was really exciting that he had taken the time and the effort to learn about stuff and, you know, weed out what made sense and what didn't. And, um, I don't know. It was, it was just a really uh, positive confirming conversation. It was really nice to talk to somebody like that. And I do talk, I talk to a lot of people that are on the right track and are, are just unsure and, just need a little bit of validation that what they're, you know, that they're not like out in that field and what they're thinking and all. And that's actually the vast majority of people that I talk to are like that. It's just really validating and uplifting. And it offsets those people that say that we're, what's the word? What are we? Insensitive. Insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Some people actually appreciate that. No nonsense tell it like it is truth truth telling that we do or try to do it anyway you know i mean so. it, it there's so much information out there right and it's yeah. it's so confusing and you yeah. can mix raw with kibble right <laughs> and we we're just never going to take that stance and and i know that people do it right which is fine we're not the pet police but we're saying if you want the best health if you want the best digestive um uh life in your dog then then you can't keep adding in substandard ingredients can't add poison uh, you know and it's the problem i have with that whole thing is they're telling people that they're doing good and patting themselves on on the back for you know just doing a little bit of good and i'm like no I'm calling you out for saying it's okay to still feed poison just because you add a little bit of something that's good. That's not okay. Right. I just, I just don't think it is. I, and I never have. And you know, the whole mixing kibble and raw, a lot of people do it. A lot of people get away with it. A lot of people don't have any issues with it, but I have seen some really serious issues enough to know that it's not a good idea. And, you know, you may go years and never have a problem, but um, some people do and some dogs get really, really sick. And those have been, um, I've ne never had a problem switching cold turkey with anybody. And I have had multiple problems with people that, that did the mixing and all that. And mixing for a long term, I mean, are just... I, why, why would you do that? What, what, what's, what's the benefit? You know, I mean, if people are going to do it, they're going to do it, but don't tell them it's okay. It's, the it's same like thing. informed consent. It's like having informed consent. Right. Same idea. There is no so. informed consent. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> not anymore. There's not.
I, I think that we need to come up with our own form. I've said this before, but I think we need to come up with our own form that our parents can download, right? And if they're going to the vet, then they have that form right there that they can ask their vet, right? So I saw on next door in my neighborhood, um, someone had posted about their dog at a year and a half. This is what's really sad. A year and a half starting to have seizures, right? And it was amazing to me how many people came on and said, yes, my dog had seizures. My dog had seizures. They put him on this med, they put him on that prescription diet. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I don't even know how to uh, reach out right and, and 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 what i decided to do was this i said because i'm on there as raw dog food right mm-hmm. i said if you would like um help with understanding how toxins how 99% of the dogs today have toxins in their body um that contribute to this you know tune into our podcast that's all i said that's all I said, because there's not there's not a way to really go from A to Z that fast with with, you know, pet parents. It's like, you know, if I said yeah. no, to, that, and that's and next door is very combative. If you oh, say anything, it's incredibly combative. It's it's like a hundred times worse than Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, terrible. So I just don't even yeah. like to, you know, I don't either. I'm just like, okay, if somebody we'll just... posts a, a lost dog or a found dog or something. I'll look at the picture and it's just so I know. But other than that, I don't even look. You know, that's the only reason that I'm on there. Yeah, I that's don't... the only reason I'm on there too. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're up here in the mountains. So a lot of people are posting, oh, there's a mountain lion here and there's a mountain lion there. Look, peeps, there's mountain lions all over the place up here. There's probably bears too. Oh, there's everything. There's mountain lions, there's bears, there's fox, there's skunk. There are the big bull uh, elk, right? And Mm -hmm. I mean, they're everywhere. So if you're in their territory, which we are, then we as pet parents are responsible to know they're hunting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those animals have to eat, right? And sometimes they're going to try to eat your dog. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so so don't leave it outside by itself. Right? So when it, when the, you know, at dusk, our dogs do not go outside by themselves. And I would even say that, you know, these guys don't just hunt in, at, at dusk. I mean, they're hunting all the time. There was a video of a mountain lion running after a deer, you know, the other day. And and that's what they do. Oh, and by the way, we went hiking last night and there was a hide, okay, a deer hide. Lozzie had them i mean she was like pulling the pulling the skin off and pulling the fur off and i wanted to take a video and show my pet parents okay guys this hide has been sitting out here for days <laughs> or longer <laughs> yeah and i said let's take a video let's just see if she's going to vomit she had a mouthful of fur <laughs> a mouthful of fur <laughs> No problems. There were no, there were no issues. There were no issues. And, and yet, right. And yet we still have that fear that if the food has, has, uh, but you know, somebody has forgotten, 
they've left their food out on the sink, thawing at night, which some of us do anyway, uh, that <laughs> it's going to uh, not be good for the dog. Or if they receive a roll that has a slight tear in it, because the dry ice can cause issues for some of the the casing, right, of the food. It's so cold in these shippers. Oh, yeah, I can right? see that. And it will slice it. It will it will look like somebody got in there with a razor blade. And mm-hmm. then people are like, I don't want to feed this. It's been exposed to the air. There could be all types of bacteria that's on this, you know, roll. That's the same air you're breathing. Uh-oh, I need a mask. Right? <laughs> so how bad could it be? Think about it. That That's the argument. And it's been exposed to the air. It's like, okay, well, you're breathing that air, so... Um. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a little discolored because it was oxidized, and it might might be a little um, hard, harder, hard and dehydrated from um, you know, from being frozen and and exposed like that. But it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt anything. Every once in a while, I'll get a roll that has a um little bit of a tear in it, and yeah it's a it's a different color and it's a different texture but it's not there's nothing wrong with it man my my staff loves those that's yeah. really all i feed right all the ones that yeah. become the ugly it's, rolls it's like smooshed out the back like the dented can section <laughs> right it's the it's the scratch and dent section yeah and, exactly and yeah but uh but the whole bacteria thing right that still is so frightening as a matter of fact i i was saying this with uh with dr jasek i was reading on the internet and it you know it had all these things about what not to feed your dog right Mm -hmm. and all of the top you know eight things were correct and right and we would say that but then they had don't feed undercooked meat or raw eggs because yes your dog is a descendant of the wolf but they have evolved and they can no longer digest these types of of items and i'm like where's the science that's total crap it is crap it's sphincter news as we call it there's <laughs> there but people are like oh i can't feed my dog raw. why because this article said it yeah but what if that article was was purposely put there by purina yeah like the dcm nonsense Right. How long do you think a narrative runs before people are like, whoa, that was a total lie. Sometimes those narratives run for 50 years. <laughs> but or more. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. They even admit that at least 50 percent of peer reviewed articles are. Incorrect. You know, are not not done properly. The statistics are massage to represent what they want to represent the the um testing method is not um not set up to where it tells you anything useful and there's all kinds of stuff that people still believe now that was incontrovertibly disproven years and years and years decades ago and that that was actually done with real proper proper studies but they've been buried and it's you know it's kind of like the whole cholesterol and um fat and heart disease and diabetes and all that stuff 
all of that stuff is wrong. And look at, you know, that's perpetuated because cancer and diabetes and heart disease are industries. They're full on industries. So if they back off now, I mean, they can't back off. They can't admit the truth, but you know, those, those things were, um, proven untrue and, and solved in all decades ago, but trying to find that information is, um, is pretty hard. You know what I have to applaud are all the independent researchers and we've seen the independent researchers explode. Why? Because mainstream media has fed us a bunch of sphincter stuff over the last three years. And we're finding out that it's they're 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 controlled, right? And mm-hmm. and so a lot of independent people have come about that have revealed information that nobody would have been able to find before. Right. The now, problem is we can't find you know, the real scientists um, can't find the funding to do bench science to, to, you know, now that we know this is not true, how do we find out what possibly is true, you know, or knock out other thing, you know, basically you can't prove something true. You can just prove it untrue. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there's no funding to actually do the bench science to, to go through that. So that's kind of the hurdle we're at now, but there's plenty of old evidence to disprove what the, you know, what current narratives are. And um, yeah, for sure. All these independent people that are digging deep and um, really looking at um, experimental design and methodologies and things like that, um, is really kind of showing what's going on. Right. So dog health has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. The question is why they're just, it's not, it's not just bad breeding, although that does happen. Right. But, um, there are other issues. Well, yeah. And, you know, the whole spay, spay neuter thing and reducing populations and all there. If you look at um, geographical um, data, the countries that have um, implemented rigid spay neuter programs have a much higher unwanted pet population than others, than ones that don't. And you know, that goes back to the whole, whole rescue thing, you know, they're creating, um, they're creating disease by their, their vaccination policies, their, and their spay neuter early policies. They're, um, not doing anything to stop unwanted pet population. Um, I've been, Pet Summits is doing a out of control dog summit with yes my friend doggy dan is on there yeah i actually uh bought one of his training things today i training is my new newest doggy thing so i have susan garrett and doggy dan and and the dunbar academy i i have all their stuff so i'm waiting my way through that i connected him i said dan you need to be on this pet summit I got to remember to ask you before I buy this stuff. Um, but uh, Kelly, uh, 
Kelly was featured on a, a podcast that's based in the UK and I guess one of her programs is called Open Pause and her whole whole approach to reducing the unwanted dog population in shelters is not the spay neuter program but it's um the training program so that the dogs stay in their homes which is really the the biggest issue is people don't look at what they're getting they go get a cute puppy they don't look at the breed they're not prepared they don't put any training in and by the time the dog's a year year and a half old they don't know what to do with it and so they surrender to the shelter Mm. it's not it's not the dog's fault it's the it's that they didn't know and you know and i'm not saying it's the people's fault either but it's instead of putting all this awareness around spay and neuter and all that jazz put awareness around um just simple doggy manners and and uh it's not it's not that i mean you don't have to be able to go into a, an agility ring, ring and win a class or anything like that you just want to know how to um potty train them and leash train them and have basic management skills so that they're happy and content and not wanting to destroy your furniture. I mean, that's all you want to know how to do, right? Right. What well, but and, let me let me ask you a question why why you're on that though. But even if they're in your home and what you're saying is don't rehome them. Don't put them in a shelter cuz then they're going to get um then we're going to have problems with all of these dogs, right? So the breeders keep breeding them. People keep wanting them. Well, I, I, I'm not saying don't keep it. I'm not in favor of keeping a dog that doesn't fit your life or your home life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, when you get a dog, be, be prepared to put in a little bit of time when they're little so that they don't end up in, in the shelter because you end up with a dog you, you can't deal with. There are some people that have six, right? So we have Mm -hmm. a lot of dog in that one Mm -hmm. home. Now we have people that can and have budgeted a raw diet for those dogs. I also have people that get extremely irritated because they want a dollar per pound because they have a lot of dogs and in the world's just not a dollar per pound anymore. Right. But, um, Mm -hmm. but in, and, and I get it. They want to be able to feed their their crew a healthy raw diet so my point is this that be we would encourage you to look at the behavior look at um your lifestyle and then look at the size of the dog and figure out can i budget to feed this dog well people saying well i can't afford to feed all raw i have to i have to mix it with kibble well unless you're feeding 97 cent a pound kibble which is like old roy which when you open the bag it smells like toxic paint fumes um most people feed at least middle of the line kibble at the minimum and mm-hmm. it's not any cheaper than raw yeah so the whole, the whole cost thing doesn't pan out if you legitimately look at the numbers and then if you feed um pure raw nothing but raw instead of that mixing nonsense you don't need to go to the vet. You've got a lot of 
hacks, a lot of life hacks on how to feed raw, right? And that's something that we need to put together. The it's hack because I, I I grew up with no money. <laughs> well, or or after I left home, I had no money. My I, I had it was fine when I was a kid, but once I left home, I had no money. I had to, I had to figure out how to do all this stuff. And you did, and you did, and and that's that's what's and so I amazing. Did. And you did. And you're also adding in um, a lot of homeopathy into your consults. So here's here's the great thing, guys. When you work with Neely Piazza, she can not only give you hacks, right? Life hacks, pro tips on how to get the biggest bang out of your dollar and feed your dogs what they are. I'm sorry, they are still designed to eat, regardless of the sphincter stuff that's out there. Your dog's digestive system has not changed. All right. No. Come on. It takes the more than things, 80 years. The only things that's changed. Yeah, for sure. Think about that on evolutionary terms if you still believe in evolution. But that again is another topic. Um <laughs> you're killing me. Not not <laughs> not evolution, but speciation, I guess. But um the only thing that has changed is that some dogs in some situations can produce more amylase right. th than wolves. But that um, it's not significant and it's more the idea of turning a gene on versus leaving it turned off. It's not an evolutionary breakthrough or anything like that it doesn't make them it doesn't make feeding kibble more appropriate it's it's just a um um do or die kind of thing that has happened in some dogs and i don't think it's it, it's even um true in all dogs i think there's just some dogs that that's happened in and it's more so than in a wolf but wolves haven't been fed kibble they haven't had to make that slight adjustment yeah. But it still doesn't make it more appropriate. Right. As Lazi would say, with a mouthful of fur. Yeah. It. I wish you had a picture of that. That'd be fun. I know. Rick was already too far ahead of me. And he, I was like, you, we need a video of this. This would be awesome. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Remember when you work with Neely Piazza, uh, you're getting a lot of great information. Number one, she's been feeding raw for a very long time and only raw. Uh, she will yep. give you the hacks on how to uh, make your dollars go further. She can help you figure out, just like this tear staining, what you might want to add to the diet or take out of the diet um, and, and keep your dog healthy. All right. There's so many things that she can do, including giving you ideas on homeopathy. So go to our experts page in the um, learning center. She's the first one there and uh, work with Neely Piazza. She is amazing. Get your dogs on a species appropriate diet today. Help them be the best dog they can be. Help them look great, feel great, and be with you longer. Because here at rawdogfoodandco.com, your pet's health is our business. And what, Miss Neely Piazza? Friends don't let friends feed kibble. Never. Okay. Ever. Ever. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.